Welcome to Agenda Breakdown, a podcast that explores how cities and counties make decisions and how you can have a say. I'm Kim Bishop, and today we're going to talk about what the city of San Luis Obispo is doing to become a more diverse and inclusive community. It's no secret that San Luis Obispo lacks the diversity of California at large. According to the latest census estimates, more than two-thirds of Slow County residents identified as white, compared to about one-third statewide. In 2020, the Black Lives Matter protests in SLO put a spotlight on some of the challenges faced by marginalized community members here. In response, the city created a diversity, equity, and inclusion task force, which came up with a list of recommendations that the city council approved unanimously in January 2021. It's been about a year and a half since then, and I thought it would be a good time to check in. So here to talk with us about what the city of SLO has done to move these recommendations forward is Bea Makikau, San Luis Obispo's first manager of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Welcome, Bea. Thanks, Kim. Excited to be here. So I guess one big step the city has taken toward turning those task force recommendations into action was to hire you this past February. It's a big job. How are you feeling about it six months in? Yeah, it, it is a big job. And I think I'm excited about it. I really care about this community. And so I feel as ready as I did day one to continue doing the work. And I feel hopeful and optimistic uh, because while this work is not new, um, in a lot of ways, we're at the very beginning for the city of SLO. So I'm excited. Can you help us just back up for a minute and talk about what the recommendations were that the task force made? Yeah, they made some incredible recommendations and there was a set of recommendations that were priority recommendations that basically meant city of San Luis Obispo, if you don't do anything else, please do these. Um, And it was strategic, right? Because those five or four that they listed as priority recommendations were ones that would build some sustainability and infrastructure around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so those recommendations were to establish an office of DEI, which we've done, Check to uh, make diversity, equity, and inclusion a major city goal, which we've done, to continue funding the diversity, equity, and inclusion high-impact grants, which we've done, and increase the funding to $150,000. And we're currently in our second round of cycle for that grant program. The other was to support a feasibility study for a multicultural center in the city of San Luis Obispo. And that is built into the major city goal work plan, which I can talk a little bit about later. And then to charge a city advisory body with a specific focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so we've done that, and that is the Human Relations Commission advisory body um, that now has a specific work plan and focus on issues related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you talk about that multicultural center for a little bit? What will that entail? Yeah, you know, that one is a challenging one for me coming from my perspective as a DEI expert and also as someone who is, you know, a member of this community. I think when we just say multicultural center, it's really exciting, right? Because a lot of diversity, equity and inclusion work has to do with changing systems and changing culture. And that takes time. And you don't really see that work all the time. But you see a multicultural center. It's this very public and external facing project, which is why I think our community latched onto it so much, right? When you're not sure what the solution is and you see something so visible, it feels like that's it. We have to do that. And so our role in the city and, you know, from my expertise, I used to manage cultural centers at Cal Poly. um, And I know there's a lot more to it than saying we want one and popping into a building. We have to understand who is it intended to serve? What is its purpose? 
What are the programs it will offer? Who will staff it? Where will the funding come from? We have to think long term. And who are the people who will sort of manage that space? So our role in the city and and my role is really going to be to look at what are the possible models for a multicultural center in our city and then really answer those questions. You know, who does it serve? You know, what are our goals with having a multicultural center? Because we're, as you mentioned in the very beginning, we're a predominantly white city. And it's not easy to serve a majority and a minority in the same space. But this multicultural center will essentially have to figure out how to do that. And so there's a lot of questions still unanswered. I think there's a lot of passion and momentum behind having one. But my job in the city will be really to answer those questions, provide models of success um, for what it can look like, and then present those things to council and then really get direction from our city council to say, hey, yeah, let's move in that direction to partner with another organization and build out what a multicultural center can be. So I think we're a little bit of a ways away from seeing one actually pop up. And I think that that's a good thing because we want to take the time to really make sure we have those questions answered and we're intentional about opening a space like that because a lot of times when we're not intentional um, about the decisions we make, they can sometimes cause more harm than good. And so I really want to be sure that with this, we don't do that. So one of the less visible pieces of evidence of the work that you're doing is hiring practices. Can you talk a little bit about that piece of it that's going on behind the scenes that the public might not be so aware of? Yeah. So I really think about my job in sort of two prongs. There's the external community work and then there's the internal city organization work. Because we can't be a city that's telling our community we want to be more diverse, more equitable, more inclusive, and then our organization me not walking the walk as well. And so I am really lucky that I get to to work with a great HR team within the city as an organization to think about what role are we playing in helping recruit and build a more diverse and inclusive workforce. Um, because we have, you know, I think just under 400 employees within the city organization. And so we've really sat and I like to think about hiring practices, not just in the singular, but I think about the employee life cycle. So from the moment that and somebody is looking at our website at possibly applying for the job from going through the application process to the interview process to the onboarding process and so forth and so on. And with, with that lens, we've really looked at what is that process and what are we telling employees and what are they seeing and what messages are they getting from us? Because essentially we are some of the best ambassadors to tell people what it's like to be a part of this community. So we've made some changes. Um, now, if you uh, anybody applies to work for the city, there is a, a statement that they have to read and check to agree. And it's basically asserting our commitment to create a more diverse and inclusive workforce and our expectation of every employee who who's going to join our organization to be a part of upholding that expectation. We have also looked at our interview process and who are on interview panels. So thinking about really diversifying our interview panels. I think the greatest examples I have are from actually Slow PD and Fire. So Slow PD had some hiring panels and really wanted to be intentional about including components of diversity, equity, and inclusion into the questions, but then also their reviewers. Um, so I was able to work with them and get some community folks to be on the panel. One was a former DI task force member who sat on the panel and they saw a like significant change in what they were able to learn from those applicants. Our fire department also actually embedded a diversity, equity, and inclusion question and portion of the 
presentation for their interview. And I got to sit on that review panel and really learn a lot about the applicants and their perspective on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, So there's been some significant changes and easy changes that we can make also to applications, like including pronouns and asking what their preferred names are. Um, So every uh, everything is an opportunity to signal to a potential applicant that we value diversity. We are committed to being an inclusive workplace and addressing any equity gaps that we see in our own processes. Are you having to make up these new approaches as you go along or are there examples from other communities that have had some success? Yeah, there's certainly like best practice examples out there. I think HR departments certainly have been sort of at the forefront of this work. So there's definitely best practices. My time working at Cal Poly, I learned a lot. And there was definitely things that we implemented there that I could bring with me to the city. And everything, I think the best strategies, right? Like there's no one size fits all, like as in the nature of equity itself, right? So I think to be really effective with our strategies, they have to be catered to our organization and our city. So every time I feel like we're leaning and we're starting with a best practice and then we're tweaking it slightly so that it feels like it really fits our community and our needs. Something I was curious about that I saw on the DEI office website was the diversity speaker series. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, it's hard to come into a job and, and have such you know a large community and say, how can I make an impact for our community? And one of the sort of easy ways to do that is to really think about like what opportunities are we offering the public to engage in diverse conversations and expand their education in really inclusive and inviting ways. And so that was definitely something that I kind of brought with me from my past work experiences was being able to offer opportunities for the public to hear from experts in this field and so many different ways. So we launched the diversity speaker series in April and I really wanted the first speaker to be diverse themselves and also talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in a way that might not seem so obvious to people because diversity, equity, and inclusion can apply to literally any field, anything that has to do with human beings or people, um, whether you're serving people or there's people who work in your organization, diversity, equity, and inclusion has a part. And it has a huge part in innovation and sustainability and growth. And so I was excited to bring a speaker who um, is an astrophysicist and really talked about the ways in which equity and inclusion have helped her with some of the new technologies they're developing in space to understand how we can learn from technologies being used in space to better life on earth and to better our causes around justice and equity. And it was incredible because I think it brought in people who were coming because they heard there was someone who, you know, worked at NASA and was doing all this work with space technology and that was their area of passion. But then they got to see what it looks like to do space technology through an equity lens. And there were people, you know, she talked also a lot about sustainability and climate. And so we had a lot of folks from our local climate organizations come and wanting to learn from her and then heard it through an equity lens. And then we had the folks who were like, diversity speaker series, of course I want to go, who came and also got to hear her rich history as a black woman and her talk about how her history and the history of blackness in the United States has informed her strategies for innovation and technology that she has developed and championed and and got to see that. And so I think it's an exciting opportunity for people to come and learn and also broaden their perspective of what diversity, equity, and inclusion can look like in our everyday lives and in practice. 
Yeah, that's really smart not to just be targeting an audience that already is inherently interested in mm -hmm. going to hear a talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but making it a speaker who's really engaging and has a lot of intersectionality with other mm -hmm. areas that people may be interested in as well. Yeah. What's the best way for people to find out about these? So you can definitely sign in uh, on the city, slowcity.org. You can opt in to receive like the newsletters and information and news. And there's a specific section that you can check that's related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so that's a way to get all of like our news notices and invites about events and things like that that are happening. Um, our slow social media is also, if you're a social media person, it's a great way. Um, and then we're really looking at figuring out how to diversify our outreach in general because I know, you know, like some of that is seems viable for some populations, but it might not be for others. So I try and do a lot of individual outreach to our local nonprofit organizations and ask that they share with their networks. Um, and sometimes depending on what the initiatives, we use radio also as a way to share information. But definitely if you have access and are comfortable using social media and those online channels to opt into communications, those will be the best ways. I have one more question for you, which is about accountability. Um, how are you reporting to the city and how is the community holding the DEI office accountable for the ambitious goals that were set out? Yeah. Well, I think the city has definitely still got their eye on what we're doing for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that's something that I take very seriously and feel a deep responsibility to. But other than that, going back to where we started, those priority recommendations were really strategic because the major city goal one in particular, because we have a major city goal related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, that means we have a set of dollars associated and delegated to diversity, equity, and inclusion plans. And I have an, an entire work plan of tasks, um, which was really built out of the other task force recommendations that I didn't talk about. Um, so all of the other task force recommendations are built into this two-year work plan for a major city goal. And basically that means what will it look like in two years if we've done this well? And because of that, we have to we have to report regularly to city council on what is the progress of each of our work plan tasks, um, what is the likelihood of them being completed on time, and how are those dollars being spent to complete that goal. So there's a lot of accountability built into that process um, that ensures we're delivering on what we said we were going to deliver on. And so I think that's one of the best ways internally we are holding ourselves accountable and making sure we're achieving the goals that we said we were going to achieve. And, you know, that means that those task force recommendations didn't just get shelved, like they're going to be implemented and put into practice. And one of them is a diversity speaker series, right? It was like more educational opportunities for the public. That was one of those recommendations. And, and it's actualizing that into tactical things for our community. Is there anything that community members can do to help further the cause? Yeah, I think remaining engaged. I think, you know, opting in to get information, attending events, showing support for these efforts. Because uh, I think in 2020, our community came out very loudly to say we want to see progress and we want to see change. And we still need that noise um, and we still need that urgency. So I think it's getting involved. Um, if you're someone who is familiar with city council processes and attending city council meetings, or if you're familiar with the public comment process, even little public comments of support around these efforts, even questions about if you have questions, submitting those as public comment for items not on the agenda. I think it's continuing to let our community, our council, and our city organization know that 
this is just the beginning and we want this to continue to be a priority. So being engaged, attending local community events, there's so much good happening from our local nonprofits and helping us build a network of community members that um, themselves are champions and making sure that we continue to do good work as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so there's a lot of ways. Uh, sign up to be on advisory bodies if you have the capacity to do that. Sign up to participate in the community academy when it comes back again uh, in the fall to learn about city processes, like really getting involved and helping be a voice for why this matters. Thank you so much for all you're doing and for talking with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Now it's time for today's action item. San Luis Obispo is offering up to $300,000 to nonprofit groups for programming that advances the city's goal of making the community feel more welcoming to all. The application deadline is August 31st, and you can find that application on the city's website, which I will link to in the show notes. Also, keep an eye out for the Diversity Speaker Series events. You can find out about those on the city's website and uh, sign up for the newsletter so that you can have it sent directly to you. I will link to that in the show notes as well. Today's episode was produced by Samantha Reardon with music by Wes Bischoff. If you liked the show, you can go to agendabreakdown.com to listen to past episodes and follow us on social media. You can also find us and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kim Bischoff. See you next time on Agenda Breakdown.